Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. We've got awesome volunteers handing out Bibles right now. If you don't have one, please put a hand up and they're going to get you a Bible right now. In the hardback that's being handed out, go to page 897. Everybody else, John 15, if you know your way around, you have a Bible already, John 15, again, page 897, if we're handing out the hardback black one to you. If you do not own a Bible, that hardback is our gift to you. Please take it home. Furthermore, you can go ahead and make notes in the margins this week because there are no sermon notes handed out, but there is still a sermon. So if you want to write in that Bible that we're given to you, go for it. John 15. We're going to watch a movie clip here in just a second. And I'm going to set it up for you so that you understand what you're watching. Almost 20 years ago, somebody who understood math and appreciated the Oakland Athletics realized that they were never, ever going to get far in the playoffs, let alone a championship. They could not outspend the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox or the L.A. Dodgers. And if you cannot afford the amount of talent, how are you ever going to win? It's just not going to work. And so the Oakland Athletics, I think it's around 2002, got a new manager who was thinking of things a little differently. He decided that baseball, at its most fundamental, you score points when people get all the way around the bases. And nothing else matters. Lots of other things could be vanity metrics. It could look good when your agent is trying to pitch you to go over to the Atlanta Braves or something. But what actually matters is can you get on base? Because if you can... The last guy who could get on base, he's on first. He's getting to second. It's just a counterclockwise motion around the... And he decided, all I'm going to look at in this guy's stats before I decide to hire him and bring him to the Oakland Athletics is, can he get on base? It was laser focus. Let's go ahead and watch this clip together. You can't deny his offensive output. He can play. And we need people that can play. Who do you want to talk about first? None of them. Billy, we got 38 home runs and 120 RBIs. Guys, you're still trying to replace Giambi. I told you we can't do it. We can't do it. Now, what we might be able to do is recreate him. Recreate him in the aggregate. The what? Jombie's on base percentage was 477. Damon's on base, 324. And Almeida's was 291. Add that up and you get. Do you want me to speak? When I point at you, yeah. 1092. Divided by three. 364. That's what we're looking for. Three ball players, three ball players whose average OBP is 364. 
Wait a minute, that doesn't look right, doesn't come out right. That's right, Artie. Billy? Yeah, you gotta carry the one. Right? Billy. That's just down. Yeah. Who's that? That's Pete. Does Pete really need to be here? Yes, he does. Okay, here's who we want. Number one, Jason's little brother, Jeremy. Oh, oh. Billy, that's trouble. Uh, Billy, look, if, if I, yeah, Billy, if I may, uh, he certainly has had his problems off the field, and we know that what he can't do on the field. And, he's getting uh, a little thicker on the waist, yeah. You know, and his reports about him on the weed and the strip clubs. Well, his on-base percentage is all we're looking at now. And Jeremy gets on base an awful lot for a guy who only costs 285000 Jeez, Billy. Number two. David Justice. Oh, no. Not a good idea, Billy. Old man Justice? Why is that? Steinbrenner's so pissed at his decline that he's willing to eat a big chunk of his contract just to get rid of him. Anybody exactly. Can. Ten years ago, David Justice, big name. Been a lot of big games. He's going to really help our season tickets early in the year, but we get in the dog days in July and August, he's lucky if he's going to hit his weight. Billy, his, his legs yes. are gone. Billy. And, uh, he's a defensive liability, and I question whether the bat speed's still there. His legs are gone. Grady. We'll be lucky to get 60 games out of him. Why do you like him? Because he gets on base. Laser focus, huh? He gets on base. That's our sermon title today. He gets on base. Because we're about to see Jesus revealed to us in John 15, verse 17 verses, that God the Father has a laser-like focus that might not make sense to you or to me. Sometimes we might question God's laser-like focus we want to make it more complicated than it really is. And when I say it, I mean what it is to follow Jesus, what it is to represent him in the world. We would like for it to be about our hobby horse, the thing that we're passionate about, excited about. And we're gonna see laser focus from the Father. Read with me at John 15. Jesus speaking. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit. How many times is he going to talk about fruit? Until we get it? Because we're only three and a half verses in. And I've heard a lot... We are in the produce section of Winco right now. <laughs> remain in me and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much, say it with me, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much, 
You are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting so that the Father will give you whatever you want, ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Lord Jesus, teach us the scriptures this morning, please. In the precious name of the Son, we pray. God's people said. For the you note takers, you want to jot this down in the margin of your Bible, or if you have a little piece of paper, or on your bulletin. Here's the big idea. Fruitfulness is God's agenda in the Christian life. Fruitfulness is God's agenda in the Christian's life. And I know that's a bummer, because there's a lot in our world that would have us thinking that the point of life is comfort or happiness self-actualization, what have you. And according to Jesus, God's agenda is that the Christian life would produce something and produce something good. Today's sermon is gonna be three things that God will do to produce fruit in you. And this is laser-like focus. I want fruit, I want fruit, I want fruit, I want fruit. Here are three things that the text says God will do in order to get what he wants in your life if you love Jesus. If you don't love Jesus, this sermon will help you figure out what the Christian life looks like so you can decide if this is something you wanna be a part of. First, God will wound you so that you bear fruit. God will wound you so that you will bear fruit. Look at verse two, speaking of the father. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. So that's scary enough, right? But look at the second half. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. Anybody ever tell you that God is looking to cut things out of your life and he may not ask for permission? Make that one a cute bumper sticker. Do you know God might want to cut something out of your calendar because by removing it, it'll bear more fruit? Do you know pruning, pruning isn't, hey, the branch is bad. He just said it. That branch did bear fruit. It's good. And the father will still cut it off in preference for great. You guys know good is the enemy of great, right? Do you know there are good things in your budget? God will remove them. Things that you valued five years ago and so they were how you spent your money and somehow 
He changed your heart. You don't value that anymore. It's not in your budget anymore. There were people that you spent time with, groups that you spent time with, and it was good and it bore fruit and God removed it. Not because it was bad, but because he wants even more fruit. I had the privilege of working in Lion Real Estate downtown office for four years. And what was so difficult emotionally about walking away, I wasn't leaving that office per se, I was leaving real estate, which then means I'm not gonna be working at this office. What was hard is people that I had prayed for so much for four years that they would know Christ, that I'd look for opportunities to share who Jesus is and what he's doing in the world and how he forgives sins. And I had to trust Jesus with those relationships. Say, Lord, I'm not gonna be here anymore with the opportunity to share the gospel, but I've gotta trust that you're gonna put other people in this office who will. Those of you who love Jesus, you know there are things in your character that are pretty good and God is still gonna chop it back to make it better. And it's not gonna be fun. He will wound you to get fruit. He will take things from you, even good things. Yeah, that was awesome. I'm gonna make you even more fruitful. This is what it sounds like. God, this really hurts. And God says, I know, child, but it will make you bear more fruit. What does he do? He gets on base until everyone's rolling their eyes. Oh, my goodness. God did not pay the heavy price of forfeiting his son so that you and I could be lousy Christians that the world goes, wow, that's a joke. Their God is a joke. Their savior is a joke. Their faith, their belief is a lie. God did not sacrifice the son for you and I to be milk toast. So some reflection time. I'm gonna give you about 90 seconds here. I want you to think and be as honest as you can. I want you to type a note in your phone or write it in the margin next to John 15. I want you to think of two or three things that were a part of your life five years ago, if you love Jesus, and things that are not. And it was painful. But if you're honest, that might have been God who did it. Go ahead and take a minute to think about what God has been removing from you.
testimony time. Six or seven years ago, I had a strong core value for providing for my family, but I took it too far. And God chopped some of that out and he gave me children. Parents, grandparents, testify, throw a hand up. If you wait until you've got enough money to have kids, you will never have kids. That was a demonic lie in my heart and God, out of his love, he chopped that sucker out. Here's the call to action. If there's a single word in the Christian life of how we respond to the possibility and even the probability that God will wound us in order to get fruit, it's one word, it's yield. Because you're not doing the chopping, he is. You're just participating, right? Yield to God today as he removes something from you. I've used the illustration before of laying down on the operation table that master physician can come in and successfully remove something out of your heart that doesn't belong there. But you, you gotta lay down on the table. Yield to God today as he removes something from you. Don't fight the Holy Spirit when he's trying to do something painful but powerful. So God will wound you and, and me in order to, that we would bear much fruit. Secondly, God will answer your prayers so that you will bear fruit. I'll repeat it for the note takers. God will answer your prayers so that you will bear much fruit. Look at verses seven and eight again, and then we're gonna jump down to 16 as well. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Right? I'm asking God for a Bentley. What are you asking him for? Private jet, beachfront property in Maui. Because it said anything, right? And God's not a liar, so I can ask for anything, right? Are we good? Pastor Greg's theology's rock solid? No? Maybe not so much? Okay, maybe, maybe context matters. So let's keep reading. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So it's interesting in the way, it's, it's almost like a run-on sentence. Jesus says a lot about you remaining in me and I remaining in you. This is how you produce much fruit. And it's in this context of remaining, this connectedness, this producing much fruit, where he says, ask anything you'll want. Anything you want. What's the context of the anything? Nope. You're in his name because you're connected to him. And why are you connected to him? To bear much fruit. The answer to every question I ask in this sermon today is gonna be the same, right? The context of verse seven is that we are asking God for holiness. We're asking him to change us. You know it couldn't be the Maserati. There'd be a lot of Maseratis around. So that must not be it. Especially because faithful people like John the Baptist serve God well and end up with their head chopped off. So like, that can't be what it is. 
The passage is about the Christian being connected to Christ and ultimately to the Father, and we bear much fruit. And what does verse 8 say? When you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. Further clarifications down in verse 16. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Like, that's why I saved you. Did you see that? I appointed you. This is not, I saved a whole bunch of people. I call it my church. And then some of them, I called them a step further. Hey, you guys need to bear fruit. As I would say with Gabriel, no way, Jose. The Christian life, if you are called from darkness into light, if you're called toward the cross, you are called to bear fruit. That is the point. That's the whole point. Here's how it might sound. Asking God for fruit. God, make me loving toward my spouse. Jesus, make me gentle when I need to discipline my daughter. Lord, give me peace in hard times that speaks volumes to my friends. Lord, make me kind to my grandson even when he grows horns. Here's your one word call to action pray. Pray for fruit, specifically. Pray for fruit. God will wound you so that you'll bear fruit, yield to his wounding. He will answer your prayers so that you'll bear fruit. What kind of prayers will he answer? The prayers for fruit. That's even true in our messed up world. If you've got to deal with an authority who's over you and you need to make a request, just ask for something that that authority already wants to say yes to. (laughs) We know the Father wants to bear fruit fruit in our life. So ask him for it. He said it three different verses. He wants to say yes to these requests. Third thing that God not will do, but has done. Third point, God sent Jesus to die so you will bear fruit. God sent Jesus to die so you will bear fruit. Well, Greg, where does it talk about the cross in, in John 15? You're, you're stretching. No, no, I'm not. So here in John 15, how many human beings are together? They're either still working on leaving the upper room or they're walking out to the Kidron Valley. How many human, human beings are here? Twelve. Judas has already left. There are the 11 and there are Jesus. Which of them understands that he's about to go to the cross? One out of the 12 understands, okay? The curious part of analyzing scripture, if it's coming from Jesus' mouth in particular before the cross, he speaks, this is for free, by the way. This isn't in the notes. He speaks as if the cross has almost already happened because God doesn't lie. He is so determined to save his church. Everything Jesus says has to be looked at through the lens of a cross that is coming up soon, coming up fast, and he is so committed to it, he's not going to waver. Not my will be done, but yours, Father. This analogy of I am the vine and you are the branches, 
Think of these good little Jewish boys, these 11 boys listening. If he is Messiah, if he is the I am, how can I possibly be connected to the I am if the I am is behind a four-inch thick curtain and even the priest might die when he goes in there? I thought you told me that my goat couldn't even wander onto the mountain when the mountain's on fire because God's there. There has to be the separation because he's holy and I am not. How are you going to tell me that you are the true vine and I'm a branch that's connected to you? How could I be connected to God unless he's going to do something with my sin? The vine and the branches analogy demands the cross. It cannot be true without the cross because we cannot be connected, the holy and the unholy. Didn't Isaiah know, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips? And what happens? An angel takes a coal not from Santa's fireplace and touches his lips. He takes it from the altar, the place where a sacrifice is made and man can be treated as innocent. He takes that coal and incinerates everything filthy off of him so that he could be holy and connected to and in the presence of God. Guys, the vine and the branches analogy that Jesus is using is not true unless he dies for you and for me. It's simply a lie. If the cross is a lie, if the empty tomb is a lie, if Jesus was never Messiah, the vine and the branches is silly at best if the gospel's not true. What makes it powerful is that it is true. If you're wondering, and we usually aren't, how committed is God to producing holiness in my life? Well, he will wound me even though I might go ballistic on him. He'll answer prayers, yes, very faithfully when I'm asking for the right things, when I'm asking for holiness. He'll send his son to die in my place to produce holiness in me. The father is laser focused on producing fruit inside you, inside me, if we love Christ. If you don't love Christ, This may have already been playing out in your head and in your heart, and let me just pull back the veil and show you. A lot of times when we're considering the Christian gospel, we uh, stall out or, or trip over this exact issue. There's an area of holiness that's really, really obvious. Christians do this or they don't do that, and I have no desire to change. I don't want that fruit so I don't want that vine. I have no, no desire at all. I see what connectedness to that vine produces. I don't want it. And in case you think I'm judging you right now, that's where all humanity starts off. Every single one of us has loved the darkness more than the light. Every one of us. The only thing that changes anything in someone's mind or heart where they would then chase after Jesus, want to be connected to the vine, the only thing that happens is that the Holy Spirit, in his sovereignty, he allows us to dig in just the right spot where we find a treasure in a field. And in our joy, we run back into town and we sell everything to acquire the field. Every single one of us loves doing things our own way, making it up as we go going along to get along to fit in with a culture that has its own ethics. 
God is laser focused because he doesn't just save you to glorify himself. That absolutely gives him glory. But then he uses your character to show his glory to other people around you. He just does. He just does. He makes you look more like his son. Romans 8.29 says it explicitly that you are called to become like his son. I was called to become like his son. And these are the kind of realities we gotta stop and think what some Christians call fire insurance. So let's do a gut check. Did I pray once upon a time, did I pray a prayer because my grandma said, probably out of the best of intentions, grandma said, hey, honey, do you wanna pray a prayer to receive Jesus into your heart and then we can go get ice cream or would you like to go to hell? (laughs) Ice cream sounds good. (laughs) If you're gonna put it that way. This book doesn't say that praying a prayer gets me into heaven. It's not, it's not in there. Throughout the book of Acts, it says over a dozen times, repent and be baptized, repent and be baptized, repent and be baptized, repent. Totally betraying every single thing that the old Greg thinks is right and true and good and saying, Greg Kaiser's not worthy or wise enough to declare what is good and worthy and good and true. Like, actually, this isn't working. Maybe the creator of the universe understands ethics better than I do. The Father wants fruit out of you, ARCF. He wants fruit. And can we just say, as an aside, he deserves it. When we get to spend eternity looking on the one whom we pierce, saying, he is worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world, okay? Because he was slaughtered. What does he deserve? What does he deserve? Especially if you have a new mind and a new heart, you've been made new in Jesus. You can see clearly now, when you read the Bible, you don't see begrudging rules anymore. You see the joy of a God who loves you. Now, now let me ask you, what does he deserve? Guys, in a couple of weeks, some of you need to come to an informational meeting and sign up to serve other people because God deserves it. What is actually just in the world sometimes has to do with you. It sometimes has to do with me. It always has something to do with God. You're gonna sign up to serve people who bear his image. He deserves for you to treat others really, really, really well. He deserves for others to treat you really, really, really well. He deserves fruit. He deserves it because he's worthy. Brothers and sisters, we will never, ever, ever be able to outgive God or outserve him. It's not even possible. He is laser focused in your life if you're a Christian. He wants to change you. And I know that the old self hates that. My arrogance hates that. What do you mean? You're saying I'm not good enough for my... Yeah, actually, that's exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) 
There's nothing more offensive than I had to die on a cross to wash away your sins. That's how filthy you were. And that's how much he has loved us. Brothers and sisters, serving informally and ad hoc, loving and serving systemically on a regular team, whether you join the worship team or join Sunday school teachers or whatever, this is more than donating some of your time to a nonprofit. It's so much more than that. Some of you guys, God is gonna chop something out of your life soon to create space in your calendar for you to serve others. Do you know why? Because that's what I'm gonna ask him to do. And he says yes when we ask for fruit. So put on your big boy pants and wait and see what God's gonna do in your calendar or your budget or your passions. Some of you have this nonsense narrative that the enemy put there 20 years ago. Oh, I'm not good with kids. And I'm gonna pray for the enemy to remove that from your brain because making disciples of the next generation might be the single most important thing we do. And we don't have enough loving adults in kids' adventure. We've got a bunch, but we need a few more. Don't be worried about Pastor Greg's prayers. You be worried about the Father because the Father will wound you to get fruit. He'll do all kinds of stuff to make you more like his son. Lord Jesus, would you please help us to embrace this truth joyfully? God, give us hearts that are joyful at the idea that you're gonna change us and shape us and that it's your prerogative to do so. God, help us to yield right now to your will, yield to your pruning. God, shape our prayers. Um, Of course, Lord, we can even ask for a loaf of bread and you won't give a snake. But there are times, Lord, you've so clearly told us to pray for holiness. And so God, lead us uh, to, to pray for holiness. God, we confess there's such a strong pull for comfort that I don't want to pray for holiness. I often want to stay where I'm at. But God, we confess that that is the old self. And that old self is nailed to the cross with you, Jesus. And it, it will not be resurrected. It's dead and dying and it's going away. So God, make servants out of us. Make humble servants out of us, Lord. In the strong name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And God's people said. Attention to the announcement video. Well, good morning, ARCF. I am absolutely excited about this first announcement because it is one of my favorite things that we get to do together as a church family. The Adopt a Backpack program kicks off today. Now, if you're recently new with us, each year we get to fill up these backpacks with different items varying from school supplies to toys, and we get to ship them off to our sister church in the Philippines, who will then distribute them to the children there for Christmas. And it's so exciting because we get a chance to be absolutely generous to those kids in the Philippines. So here's how it works. After the service today, you're going to go find the Adopt a Backpacks table, and you're going to sign out one of these two handmade backpacks. These backpacks are handmade by some of the ladies here at ARCF. And then you're going to fill up the backpacks and then bring them back to us so we can ship them off. Now, there are a couple of things that you need to be aware of. Number one, the list. It is vital that you do follow this list because there are some items that we cannot ship and they are listed here. 
But other than that, there's lots of things on here. So fill up those backpacks. Item number two, the return date. The backpacks need to be returned no later than Sunday, September 12th. It takes a long time for those packages to get there. So that's why we're shipping them out early. So make sure you stop by the table on your way out to sign out a couple of backpacks and let us be ridiculously generous to these kids in the Philippines. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just need reminders. So these next two announcements are reminders for you. And the first reminder is the church name change. As we were informed last week, the last vote ended in a tie between Anthem and Foundation. So we need to have a runoff vote. Now the vote's gonna take place in the same manner as it did last time. So if we have your updated email, you're gonna receive your email ballot starting this Tuesday. And we're gonna have an in-person vote next Sunday, August 22nd. And of course, if you can't be here for that, or if we don't have your updated email, come to the church office between Tuesday and Thursday to do an absentee vote. Now, if you still have any questions about the name change, there are two things that you can do. One, you can stop by the connection table on your way out and pick up one of the FAQ sheets that lists our most frequently asked questions about the name change. Or the second thing that you can do is find an elder and they can answer your questions. So make sure you get your vote in using one of those three methods. Now, your second reminder is about a ministry that's been on the hearts of the elders. As it was announced last week, the elders are looking to put together a group of people who are willing and able to do various tasks for the seniors in our church who have lost their spouses. The Bible is very clear that we as a church family need to take care of the widows and the orphans. And if you need a reference, James 127 is the place to look. So there's going to be a meeting that's going to be held right after the service on Sunday, August 29th. So if you're willing and able to be a part of this ministry, then we really want to encourage you to be there for that and remember, you can sign up for one item or multiple items. So make sure you mark your calendars for Sunday, August 29th, right after the service. All right, church family, that's all that I've got for you this morning. As always, please make sure you grab yourself a bulletin, read it left to right, front to back, for more events and more information.